Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. As you guys know, last year I got into uh, a hobby, a new hobby of fishing, and I told you there'll be thousands of those stories, so it's kind of like a new parent, you know, it's just part of the deal. But uh, it's not so much a story today, but uh, many stories, a series of stories. So getting into uh, fishing, I, I went out and uh, enjoyed a day on the water. The next time I went out, caught a few fish with a friend. That night, a friend sends me a link to a boat. And uh, the first day I'd ever caught a fish, I was borrowing fishing rods from my friend, mind you. I go home, he sends me a link to a boat. So I did what every rational human being does. The next day, I purchased that boat. Now, after I purchased the boat, I had to go to uh, Dick's Sporting Goods to buy a fishing rod. And uh, there at the fishing center, I, I met Rich. We call him Rich from Dick's. And Rich from Dick's began to show us all these great pictures of all the fish he caught. And he was explaining to us where he was and when he was. And Rick's at, Rick at Dick's, he's, he's a seasoned veteran of the fishing game. So if you go to Dick's Sporting Goods in Hunt Valley, Maryland, you will see a giant poster. It's actually a bulletin board of like 50 of Rick's fish. So if you go there, I want you to say, my pastor has met the Rick from Dick's. Anyhow, so he's explaining, and I'm just, I'm just eating it up. And I'm like, this is amazing. And he's telling us which lures to buy. And about $300 later, <laughs> I end up feeling like I'm ready to go be just like Rick at Dick's. And so we go out, and the very first day, I'm out there with my, my friend John. And, and wouldn't you know it, our first day on the water wasn't like Rick at Dick's. We ended up in every tree imaginable. We lost about five or six lures in those said trees because I was told, you got to fish near the bank. you got to throw near the shore. That's where the fish are. So here I am, first day, not having a clue with my $300 in equipment. I'm throwing all of my $7 lures up against the trees. And they wrap around, and I'm spending most of my time trying to yank out my lures. And I'm going back in, and we had a very, let's just say, less than stellar first day on the water. And as we're pulling back in, we have a, what's called a trolling motor. It's a little motor on the front, um, but it's plastic at the top, and then it's metal, and then it's got a propeller. Well, my friend John, he... He is trying to be kind, and he's trying to help me out. And as he's pulling up the trolling motor, he grabs with all of his might on the top plastic piece. Now, I just bought the boat the day before. We just spent the day on the water. It was not good. But he grabs the top of the trolling motor because neither one of us know how to bring this in. To let it out, you just pull a line and the thing pops down. And we're like, how hard could it be? So he yanks really hard on this trolling motor. He rips the plastic piece off the top of the motor. The, there's a, a metal reel in there that actually works the motor. That pops loose. There are cogs that have to go together to spin to make the thing turn. That pops loose. It was seriously like a jack-in-the-box had just gone off in the front of my boat. And so here we are, and I'm looking at my friend. Now, granted, I didn't really know what I was doing either. 
But I was practicing that moment of like, do you go off on your friend and lose the friendship for the trolling motor? Or do you just let it go? So I said, John, step to the back of the boat. I got this. <laughs> so I go ahead, I pull it all in, and, and I've gone. Now listen, I've gone out now for, there was a six months or so where I couldn't, it was too cold and all that stuff and COVID. But I've, I've gone out a series of times, and, I, and I've got a, a little bit better. But I just went out this week. And I'm no longer tying things into the trees. I'm, I'm no longer breaking equipment. I'm, I'm not losing, you know, fishing rods over the side. But do you want to know, after about six or seven months of doing this fishing thing, how many fish yours truly caught the other day when I went out with Carl? Carl and I are on the boat. We're doing great things. Doing all the things I know how to do. Going to the places where I've caught fish before. I caught a grand total for being out on the water almost eight hours. A grand total of one fish. One fish. Today I want to talk to you about that walk with Jesus. When you first start out in your walk with Jesus, you're, you feel like we did on our first trip out. It feels clumsy. You feel like you don't know what to do. You feel like there's so many people who know so much more. You feel like everywhere you go, there's a Rick at Dick's that's got a better situation going on in their spiritual life. And you're like, man, their marriage must be amazing because they've been with Jesus alone. They must never, ever get angry. They must always keep their cool. They must never have temptation. Because, I mean, man, I, I just see, look, look at all the fish they've caught. You know, look, look at what their life is. And you know what I've learned? I've learned as a Christian that I'll never get to the place to where I can say, well, I'm, I'm a Rick at Dick's Christian. I'll never fully get there. And the beautiful thing about Rick at Dick's, if, Dick's, if you ask him, is that it's taken his whole life, but every single time he goes out to fish, it's a brand new experience. And those of you that have been in the Christian faith a long time, you understand this, is that no matter how much history you've built up, no matter how much discipline, no matter how much Bible study, no matter how much you know, you know, you know, tomorrow is always a chance to do it right and to bring in the fish or to have a day where you go home and just say, why? Did I even wake up? Like, on my Christian chart, this wasn't going to be the day I'm proud of. This isn't the day I'm going to hang on the wall and show everybody. When they come to my house, I'm not going to flip through a picture book and say, hey, you know what? Let me tell you about that day. That's the day I woke up grumpy. That's the day I said some things I shouldn't. That's the day that I was tempted. We're not going to talk about all that. We're just only going to hold up the fish like Rick at Dick's. But in the Christian walk, we have to have some guidelines. Like, what, what is it then? If I know I'm going to wake up and today could be, be uh, you know, a, a slamming day where I'm bringing it all in and I'm, and I'm a champ, or today could be a day where I blow it. What's the, what's the motivation to keep going? What is the motivation to be in this thing called Christianity? Ephesians 5 is where we are today. And remember, Paul, just for summary, Paul had had been visiting around and he found this group of 
believers in the church called Ephesus. They weren't really a church yet, but he found this. They're in Asia, um, modern-day Turkey area, and, and he found this group, and he said, you know what? He said, uh, not modern-day Turkey. He found this group, and he said, you know what? Have you experienced the Holy Spirit? Do you know who the Holy Spirit is? And he said, uh, they go, no, we, we haven't, but we're baptized in John's baptism, which was essentially a baptism of repentance. Like, I know that there's a God, and I know that I've done stuff wrong. I don't know a whole lot more, but I'll repent for my bad behavior, and I'll try to follow God the best I can. And so they're like, that's how we're living. We're just like working with each other, loving each other, trying to do the best we can. And he said, you know what? I want to teach you about the Holy Spirit of God. You see, because the Holy Spirit of God moves this from you doing the best you can and to not sin, but actually listening and walking with God and allowing God to be the salvation for you. And so he teaches them. For three years, the Bible says that he lives with them and walks with them, and they could see him, and they could see that, okay, sometimes, Paul, you do get upset. Remember, this is the guy that wrote Romans chapter 7. Everybody likes to talk about all the other stuff, but Romans 7 somehow gets ignored. Like, he, Paul's sitting there, and he's like, you know what? There's stuff that I do that I don't want to do. There's stuff that I I don't do that I do want to do and, and it, I call it the doo-doo chapter because it's like you just stepped in it like life just happened and you stepped in it and it's like oh but but so Romans chapter 7 read through it and you'll relate you'll be like wow there's some days I feel like I'm catching all the fish in the lake there's some days where I wonder why did I bother waking up and so this was this guy and he lives with them for three years. He goes away. They're having some issues. So he writes this letter. This is the letter we're reading. We've been reading through it. And it talks a lot about unity. It talks a lot about love. It talks a lot about how now shall we live. And in Ephesians chapter 5, he gets into what are some ways to live. So let's walk through it together. Therefore, verse 1, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love. Can you say walk in love? Walk in love. That's what we're called to walk in. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice of God. Let's just pause there for a second. Now in my learning, I've come across a lot of different you know, fishing sites, tutorial sites, Instagram sites and all to try to to try to catch up, being an old guy that just started a new thing. And one of those is called Qualified Captain. Now, if you go to Qualified Captain, you'll love it because it's like the everyman's like messing up every day. So every day they post a video of somebody who's uh, driving a boat really wrecking things. So they'll run up on the sandbars and get stuck and they got to wait for the next tide or they'll be partying up on shore and the tide goes out and now they're stuck there trying to push their boat or they're trying to bring their boat up on a trailer and they'll run the boat all the way up into the back of the truck and like just crazy, right? So I watch on that side, like here's how not to do it. Like every time I watch something there, I'm like, okay, don't do it that way. But then I signed up, best, best money I ever spent. I won't tell you how much because my wife is present. Best money I ever spent, Bass University. Yes. I can go there and, and download hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of videos of how to do it right. So not only do I see with Qualified Captain how not to do it, but I can learn how to do it. And so Paul gets to this place and he's teaching them. He's like, you know what? I, I've been telling you how to, to, to not do it. Don't do this. Don't do this. Let me tell you how to do it. And so in the first verse, he goes, you know what? Therefore... If you're trying to learn this Christian life, if you're trying to do this thing right, be imitators of who? God. 
Try to just see what Jesus did. Try to see what God does. Try to love how God loves and walk in love. This is the same. This is how we do this Christian thing. We walk in love. I was talking to somebody recently and I said, you know what? I just genuinely want to teach people how to love well and how to tell people how God loves them. Like how to, how to tell people how God loves me and he loves you and I'm going to walk in love every day. And really that's the essence of what Christianity is. All the other stuff that we add to it, if it's not helping us do those two things, love God, love people. All the other stuff can complicate it and be a distraction. And sometimes, I don't know if you realize this, but sometimes the more that I've learned about fishing, the less helpful it's been. Because you start to realize, like, hold on, what are the variables here? In my fishing world, it's like, well, the temperature matters. The temperature of the air, the temperature of the water. And guess what? I discovered something new this week. And those of you that understand fishing, you'd be like, this is stupid. Um, barometric pressure. I had no idea. So I spent $15 and I bought a barometric reader. And because there's just so many things. If the water is clear, if the water is dirty, if there was a storm that passed through recently, if there hasn't been a storm in a week, you, you factor all this in. And then you go and you stand inside the, the store and you see thousands of fishing lures. And I'm like, why would I ever need them? I've been doing this about six months. Trust me, you need a lot of different fishing lures. But sometimes if you're untrained, you just, it, the information overwhelms you and you paralyze yourself. And you doubt everything. And here's what I've seen a lot of us do. Those of us that just simply, we got started out and we were like, what is Christianity? Oh, it's about um, by grace you're saved through faith. It is a gift of God. It's not of yourself so that no one can boast. And we, we were like, really? That's all it is? It's that simple? Like, love God? Love people? And we're like, I'm in. And then we get in and we study and we study, and we study, and it's just like me standing at Bass Pro. And I don't fully know how to use every single lure and technique. And by the way, did you know, you, it's not just you throw the lure on. It's also, sometimes you have to tap, 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 reel. Sometimes you reel quick. Sometimes you reel slow. There's so many details involved that if you're not careful... You could just look at the whole thing called Christianity and you could just go, ah, I don't know where to start. I feel like I'm insufficient. And what started out as not being about you, your faith is not about you, it's about God and His grace over you and His love for you. What started out as not being about you, suddenly you get paralyzed and you stop living it out because now it's about you. I'm not doing it right. Why should I try? I I'm not studying enough. I'm not reading enough. I, I'm, I don't know those words like those other people. And you just get paralyzed. But what's, what he says is, he says, let's not complicate it. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. If you want to live a, the, a, a strong Christian life, first thing, write this down. Live a life of inspiration. Live a life of inspiration. Meaning, be inspired by Jesus. Be inspired again. Just, just if you're not sure how to restart this thing or if you're feeling kind of stuck, if you're feeling kind of down, you're feeling like it's old hat or you feel like you're overwhelmed with knowledge, whatever spot you might be in, just start off and say, you know what? I'm supposed to walk in love inspired by Jesus. 
I'm supposed to, to be an imitator of God as his child. So whose pattern do I follow? The imitators of God. Well, how do I follow that pattern? As beloved children. Talking to my kids and being a parent, it's one of the more challenging things ever because it reveals all your own flaws and your own screw-ups. But also it's one of the most rewarding ever because you get to say, you know what? Son, daughter, just do like daddy's doing. Do like mom's doing. This is why we, we have a calendar. This is why we use two alarms. This is why we use ten alarms. Like, like explaining, like this is why we do things this way. So we don't have the mistakes you're bumping up against. But listen, you're not just imitating Christ in your love. You're walking in love as beloved children. Meaning follow Christ but know that you're loved the whole time. Know that you are also a recipient of His grace as you're attempting to give out His grace. You see, Christians, sometimes we can just separate ourselves and we could say, oh, well, grace and love and mercy, well, that's for other people. No, no, no. It starts here. I'm His beloved child first. And if I don't recognize and realize that I'm His beloved child, how am I ever going to give off beloved child vibes? How am I ever going to let people know like, hey, you're loved too. And, and, and I know it. And here's the thing, because we separate ourselves from our salvation. We go, oh, yeah, we're saved and we're in. Now I've got to work real hard to, to, to virtue signal Christianity. I've got to show people that I'm doing it right. And once you get down that road where you're just spending your life trying to show people that you're a good Christian, you're missing it. You weren't saved because you're a good person. You were saved because of God's grace. And so what you do is you wake up every day and you go, I'm going to walk in love today. Well, how am I going to do it? As a beloved child. And so this means like for my kids, when they're learning to, to obey, when they're learning to behave, when they're learning to do things right, there's a balance. My kids can understand, okay, I need to be more disciplined. But it doesn't mean I'm punished and banished and thrown off the edge of the boat. I'm a beloved child. My mom and my dad, they absolutely love me. That's never going to change. Even though right now, they're disciplining me for my benefit. As a beloved child, I'm going to be an imitator of Christ. And what is love? I don't have this in your notes, but you should write this down. What type of love? Don't sing the song. And walk in love as Christ loved us. And what? Gave himself up. Can you say gave himself up? Gave himself up. If you want to say walk in love, what does love mean? The, the whole culture, the whole world, love is love, whatever's love, love. And I truly don't think we understand it. Like the, the biblical scriptural picture is like love means sacrifice. Love is giving yourself up. Love is, is being a fragrant offering and a sacrifice. I don't love you if I'm not sacrificing something. Like, how, how can you, you could say you love somebody, but if you're not willing to stretch, if you're not willing to be inconvenienced, if you're not willing to be a little bit less than, if you're not willing to lift another up as yourself, how can we say we're loving? So what is all, when we add it all together, what does it mean? Be an imitator of God as his beloved child, meaning I'm accepted, I'm loved by him, and because out of that, I'm going to go walk in love and love other people. What does love mean when I'm dealing with other people? It means that I sacrifice. Live a life of inspiration. Always look to Jesus for your inspiration. You guys have probably heard the illustration before, but counterfeiters, when, when uh, 
the FBI, CIA, when, all those, when they're figuring out counterfeit money, you've probably heard the illustration that they don't study all of the ways you could fake a dollar bill. They don't worry about it. They, they, they don't train you to figure out all the different ways you can fake a dollar bill. They train you and they make you study every single positive attribute of the authentic thing. And then your eye will naturally notice when it's off. And so in Christianity, you know what I think we spend far too much time doing? We spend way too much time chirping about all of the false gods and false religions and false and we spend all of our time trying to teach each other hey do you see that over there that's a false way do you see that that's a false and when you do all you're doing is chasing around all the 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 wrong ways christianity is about fixing your eyes on jesus the author and perfecter of our faith and when your eyes are fixed on jesus when your prayer life is tied to jesus when you're digging in the word to understand who jesus is then it's easier to just say that's a false thing But we are training ourselves too much time and spending too much energy trying to talk about what's not Jesus instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to really put my time in understanding who Jesus is. Be an imitator of God. Live a life of inspiration. Then it goes down. It says, goes into this whole section. This is the section actually that uh, this and then uh, husbands um, uh, love your wives and wives submit to your husbands. These are the two areas that like get most of the ink in preaching. And I just decided like, no, that's too easy. Like you can Google the passage, you're going to see 50,000 spots where people are trying to, to hammer that same um, point home. But, but here's the, the area, verse 3. But sexual immorality, all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as proper among saints. I think it's interesting that sexual immorality and impurity, but we often leave off covetousness we often leave off that like this is right there tied in so in the meantime the christians will go out and we'll spend all of our time screaming 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 about sexual immorality and we also we leave off like and covetousness this idea that you want something that's not yours do you think we have a problem in america with wanting things that aren't ours yeah but we leave that off because i can i can talk about sexual immorality and i and, I, and maybe i don't have that sin and so i can but it ties all in. And so the idea is covetousness. But not, must not even be named among you as proper. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, or crude joking. You've never heard Christians give out crude jokes, have you? You've, you've never seen that. I mean, remember, sexual immorality's up there. Let's talk about that. And so in the same exact passage... We spend, as, when I say we, capital W, we, Christianity, we can sometimes miss out on what Jesus is trying to teach us because we go, let me go ahead and lob bombs at the area that I'm not dealing with. Let me go ahead and really preach all my sermons about the thing that, that, that I, it's easy pickings. I can just hammer that home. But let me not talk about covetousness, which is right there. Let me not talk about foolish jokes or crude joking, which are out of place. Let me not talk about this last one. It's all in the same paragraph. But instead, let there be what? Thanksgiving. Hold on. You mean to tell me that in the passage that he's saying to get rid of sexual immorality out of your life, I also have to pay attention to covetousness? I, 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 I have 
to pay attention to, to my mouth and, and foolish joking? And Hold on. And I'm commanded to live a life of thanksgiving? You mean to tell me that that's all in the same paragraph? But what have we always seen the sermons about? Sexual immorality. The sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. And it's not to diminish the fact that it's there and it's a sin and we need to address it. But do you not think that in the the scope of learning how to fish, do you not think in the scope of learning how to be a follower of Jesus, that if God looked at sexual morality up there with coveting something that's not yours, that if God looked at foolish talking and talking in in a perverse way, as equal to that. If God did not look at saying, you know what, I just don't think my people are thankful enough. Do you not think we ought to put as much work in and as much attention and as much repentance over whether or not maybe I'm not very thankful? Because I, I can get pride built up when I'm not really thankful. Because why? I just, well, I want something more. I can become covetous when, when I'm not very thankful. I, I, can, I can talk poorly and not worry about my mind if I'm not very thankful to who God is and what He's done for me. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who's sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Therefore... Do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to what? Discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Do you know what the first section is all about? All that thing, covetousness, sexual morality, foolish talk, not being thankful. All of that is what is pleasing to me in the flesh. All of that is a life focused on the flesh, focused on what makes me happy in the moment, focused on what gratifies my, 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 uh, my flesh right now. And the Scripture's like, no, 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 that's darkness. Live according to the light. Live according to, to the way that God's called you to. And spend your life discerning not what feels good for me. Spend your life discerning what is pleasing to Him. Take no part in unfruitful, unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of what they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Not only live a life of inspiration, but live a life of inspection. Live a life of inspection. Not only be inspired by Jesus, but tell yourself, you know what? I want to check in the motives of my heart. I want to be curious about what makes me tick. I want to be curious about why do I react a certain way? Why do I get sad? Why do I get angry? Why do I, why do I brag or boast? Why do I do certain things? Live a life of inspection. There's a couple of things listed. I should inspect the temptations of my flesh. Sexual morality, impurity, covetousness. I should inspect what I say and how I say it. No foolish talk, filthiness, crude joking but rather thanksgiving? Am I speaking out of the flesh or the Spirit? 
Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Proverbs 10.11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Luke 6.45, The good person, out of the good treasure of their heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Am I living a thankful life? It's a question we should all ask. Today, if all I did was I woke up and I said, okay, today's a new day to fish. Am I thankful that I have the ability to do it? Am I thankful that I, I have my, my, my limbs? Am I thankful that I'm still breathing oxygen? Am I thankful that my knees and my hips allow me to walk out to, to the boat or to the shoreline? Am I thankful for this? I uh, was talking to my friend John a, a couple weeks ago, and one day we went out and I caught three really nice fish. The next day we went out and I was having a terrible day and got skunked. He caught some fish, I didn't. But I was telling him as we were headed in, I was like, God got a hold of my heart on the ride back into the dock. Because do you know the only difference between, I was having a, t I was crummy attitude, you know, those of you that know me, you know I'm competitive, like, I mean, it's been rumored. And so, I was, I was really down in the dumps, but the Lord spoke to my heart on the way back in, and I really felt the Lord nudging me. Now, it's not in the Bible, so you can take it how you want, a principle that was, I was reminded of. But I felt the Lord tug me and say, Tala, you know, the only difference between the, the day you had the other day and today was three casts of your rod. Three times I did this and I reeled. And only three times before a fish bit it. And I said, yay! But everything else was the same. Good weather with my best friend, talking about life, asking about our marriages and kids and thinking about future. It was the same. And yet I was about to let a day go by not being thankful because of three casts of my rod. When you're out there, you throw that thing like 3,000 times in a day. But three times was going to ruin my attitude? How often do we find ourselves, one little thing happens in the morning. One, one little spat with your, your loved one. One little mistake made. And we go, my whole day's ruined. I'm ruined. I'm not going to have a good day now. And it's like, no, 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 time out. That was just one small thing. You could still live a thankful life today. Am I living a thankful life? So not only do I inspect the temptations of my flesh, not only do I inspect how I say and what I say, but I should inspect God's plan over my life. God, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to do in my life? Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of time. Or the, another version says, making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore, 
do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled by the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. By the way, not tackling the wife submit to your husband's verse, but I'll touch it with this. If you notice in this exact passage, men and women right here, we're all called to a submission. Submitting to one another out of why? Because the man's stronger. No. Submitting to one another out of a reverence for Christ. Meaning, I'm keeping a meek and humble heart. I'm, I'm living and loving the way that God's called me to. This is before you ever get down into wives and husbands. And so when you've heard some of these sermons, and definitely when you've heard some men misuse the next passage to hurt people, understand, please, that submission wasn't applied to only women in this passage. <laughs> Live a life of intention. This passage talks about being intentional. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of your time because the days are evil. It looks then, then into talking about what is not wise. It talks about, am I, am I avoiding filling our life with things that satisfy my flesh and instead I'm going to please the Spirit? Am I getting drunk and being wasted because I can't deal with the problems or am I leaning my problems on the Holy Spirit of God? The biggest thing with uh, being drunk, by the way, the biggest affront to God is that the Holy Spirit, when you're no longer aware and in control of your faculties, the Holy Spirit's not able to speak to you. God's most hurt, not by the alcohol because you're just doing dumb things, but because we are shutting down our ability for God to speak clearly to us. And so when we become inebriated, that's the real sin. It's not just alcohol. It's the idea that we're doing things that disconnect our ability to communicate with God. And so when we, go, when we go down this road, do not be drunk with wine. In another place, he talks to Timothy, he says, have a little wine for your stomach. How do you reconcile the two? You reconcile the two because he says, hey, enjoy your life, but I don't want you to get to the place to where the Holy Spirit of God can't speak to you. And if you're allowing yourself to go there, you're shutting down the Holy Spirit of God and that's the offense that God's hurt by. Live a life of intention. Look carefully how you walk. Walk as a wise person. Make the most of your time. So in closing, inspiration, know who you're following. That's Jesus. Inspection, know how you're doing things by the flesh or the Spirit. Intention, know what you'll do the next time to live for Jesus' glory. Live one step at a time. Inspiration, inspection, intention. That's how you go out the next day and live this life with Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much, God, that as we look at this, this uh, big, beautiful world, You've given us to enjoy. 
And you've called us to enjoy you in the midst of enjoying it, as well as to tell our neighbor and friends and loved ones about how much you love them too. But Father, sometimes we can get like I do in a a Bass Pro, and we can just get overwhelmed with information. We can get paralyzed. We can feel like we do it all wrong, and why should we even try? And Father, you call us to make it simple. To follow Jesus. To look into our own lives to do the wise thing. And to live with intention tomorrow. To follow Jesus. Do the wise thing. And be intentional about our lives tomorrow. I pray, God, that you would allow us as a church to do exactly that. Each individual one of us following Jesus, looking inside to do the right thing, and being intentional with our time tomorrow. Help us to go out, Lord, and in these next days and weeks to think this way and live this way. And Father, there are some of us that it's, it's old hat to us. This whole Christian thing is so old that, that a lot of times we just miss the glory of it. And Father, we're no longer inspired by Jesus, but Father, would you change our hearts? Would you wreck our hearts and remind us to be inspired by Jesus? Would you remind us that, that we have to look inward and, and pull out the, 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 the ugly and to let the Spirit of God rise to the top? No longer live by the flesh, but live by the Spirit. And Father, would you help us to be more thoughtful with our days, reminding ourselves, Lord, that, that every single second on this planet is a gift from you. And we can use our lives to be a gift for you. To love others well the way that Jesus loves us. We thank you so much, God, for this reminder today. Thank you for your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen.